Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. we just do <laughs> well kevin you and i just saw yes last night in soho a uh 2021 picture from uh director edgar wright edgar wright and uh it stars thomas e. mckenzie matt smith terrence stamp diana rigg margaret nolan so you're telling and, me this movie uh, i'll let you do yeah do and, not, let me get with the fuck i'm waiting to do this what the hell is wrong with you go ahead shut up 
and Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> we gotta support the other Anyas out there, even if they spell their names wrong. So this movie had one of the original Avengers, Diana Rigg. She wasn't part of the original cast, but she was on the original program, The Avengers. Queen of Thorns. It had General Zod from Superman 2. I don't know who that is. You've seen Superman 2. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. General Zod was the guy with the beard in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I, I remember. I just, I didn't know what was going on. It was a confusing movie. And it had Doctor Who. Doctor Who, that I, I have, I'm gonna say I have a, I, I have a soft spot for Matt Smith because, uh, I started watching Doctor Who when he was Doctor Who, the eleventh Doctor. So I'm always like, oh, Matt Smith, and then this, he's an awful person, and I'm like, oh, Matt Smith, stop. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and, and and Thomas D. McKenzie, we recognized, uh, I believe she was in Jojo Rabbit. Uh, so yeah, what was this movie? <laughs> okay, let me give you a sense. Let me give you all a sense of how how I feel about this movie now and how I felt about during, during the viewing. So we're sitting there, Kevin and I, we're all snuggled up in our seats, watching Last Night in Soho. Making out passionately. Yeah, not really. <laughs> we're, just, we're just enjoying the film, babe. But we, I, I'm looking and I'm just like, wow, what a movie, what a picture, what a what an experience. And I, I almost leaned over to Kevin tapped him on the shoulder, and with bright, shining eyes said, this movie's great. <laughs> and, and then by the time the credits rolled, I was really glad I hadn't done that because then Kevin would never let me live it down. <laughs> He'd be like, remember that time we were watching Last Night in Soho? And he'd <laughs> tap me on the shoulder and said, what a movie. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be mocked it and, and hounded until, I mean, forever because... And deservedly so. And deservedly so, in fairness. Because this movie was an emotional roller coaster. It took some twists and turns. Not all of them good. No. So, so... How do we even start? I don't even know. I don't even know. Should we start... I think the... For me, it's it's not a it's not a perfect wash, but for me, it started good and then sort of went off the rails to a certain degree. To me, it was like the whole movie was a, a fist fight between good and evil. <laughs> and there are times I was thinking, boy, this is really good. And then, oh, no. This 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 is awful. And then, oh, it's really good again. And then, no. So for you, it wasn't a train that went off the rails and more like a train that somehow was going off the rails and then somehow getting back on the tracks and off the rails and on the tracks and people are just screaming and crying and running. It was like, you know, we keep talking about General Zod over and over again. <laughs> It's like the scene in Superman 3, which did not have General Zod, but it's the scene in Superman 3 where the good Clark Kent battles the evil Superman. Only in this movie, in my opinion, the evil Superman wins. See, in my opinion, it's kind of like I'm a dumb idiot when it comes to movies. So, like, if you... I'm like the, I'm like the mark at, like, a, a hypnotist show. Or you could convince me that I was hypnotized, right? You know, like, I, when it comes to movies, like, you can trick me into really enjoying the movie because I'm like, big, loud, colors, sounds, wow, I'm having a great time, even if the movie's not very good, for the most part. But there was a point in this film where that sort of unraveled for me, and I was like, wow, they're doing this? Hmm. And, I was, and then I was kind of pushed out of the picture, even though I'm normally, like, in the mode of watching it. Do you, does that make sense? 
Not at all. Oh, fuck you. Your General Zod thing didn't make any goddamn sense either. General Zod? He thought he was on planet oh, Houston. God. Jesus. Planet fucking Houston. Well, I don't know what planet this, this movie takes place in, but I think let's just start at the beginning. Fashion designer girl wants to go L- London. Uh, f- history of mental illness. And she's really into the 1960s, the styles. She gets into a program. She goes there. And you said you really related to this character. I did. I mean, listen, I was a sad, mentally ill teen who uh, didn't have a lot of friends. And there's like a certain type of teen who doesn't have a lot of friends, is kind of quiet and in in awkward socially so they sort of uh, make it their personality to really like an era from the past in my case it was the 1960s as well i i was not as stylish or as adept at sewing as this girl as you know to make my own outfits but i i i had one of those like fidel castro hats i thought that would be cool i mean like i mean it was a disaster but I, I really got into that, really got into the Beatles very heavily. and um, Very heavily. Yeah, very he- fanfic heavily. She wrote Beatles fanfiction. I wrote Beatles fanfiction in the 2000s. <laughs> I've read it. I've read every word of it. What did you think of it? So, I mean. What did you think of it? I, I think you should share it with the world. Do you think, do you think it was better than this movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wow, that was a pretty reluctant yes. <laughs> well, there was that one you did, uh, Paperback Writer. Oh, fuck, yeah. Uh, should we start talking about the plot? No, so- no, no, no! <laughs> I thought that was very good, and there was that one you did that was very touching about uh, the... And the- your bird can sing. Yes. Yes, yes. Anyways, but... You know, I, I'm just joking about that. But I I related to her in that And sense. then there's that one you did about the mad slasher. No, I didn't know. No, no. Oh, am, I think, am I thinking about Edgar Wright? You're thinking of Edgar Wright. That's where that slipped in. No, okay. So I, I guess I was just saying, like, I could relate to the character in that sense. And, like, you know, she seemed very vulnerable. You kind of, like, you were rooting for her to, like, overcome her problems and do well. Maybe I saw a bit of my younger self in that. So I, I was rooting for her. I was, I was hooked into that character, and I thought the actress did a good job with her performance and it, I was rooting for her. So, uh, you know, in a, in a kind of horror movie and a kind of a thriller, that's step one. You want people to say, I want the character to do well and, and make it out of this, this negative situation. To me, that part was well done, but to an extent it was just, uh, Peter Parker, you know, the cliche of the nerdy person who's a good person, but just isn't popular and can't fit in. And so this fashion designer character, Eloise, she goes to a fashion college and all the people there are trendy and fashionable and they make fun of her. She just doesn't fit in no matter how hard she tries. No, I think it captured something about having anxiety and feeling like everyone hates you, even though people are probably not paying that much attention to you and and letting it get in your head and being awkward and, and not like knowing when to speak up or when to shut up and let other people. T- I mean, I, I thought it, I thought I didn't have a problem with that. And it's not like she was doing anything like catching her lunch with a cafeteria tray when she became Spider-Man. Like she never, I, I like this story because 
I like part the part about the story where she gets really into the '60s, and then it kinds of it kind of ends up biting her in the ass because like she doesn't really know the '60s. All she has is the idea of the swinging '60s in London, and it turns out actually it's much darker than you think. But I don't think this was a well executed story. But we'll we'll get into that. So she 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 her roommate's an asshole, so she gets her own room uh, in 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 the middle of Soho. It's kind of like this cozy little place and uh you know she can be romantic and like oh i'm a struggling artist here there's these lights blue and red flashing in the window all night and then you know we've kind of gotten hints up to this point that she has some sort of like psychic abilities where she can kind of get feelings about people and and we see here that she's seeing her dead mother in the mirrors it's unclear if it's supposed to be a psychic ability or a sign of mental illness who cares uh, I mean, it, it, it's sort of in this, in the universe of the film, it sort of doesn't, it, they're basically the same thing, you know? <laughs> and she goes to sleep and this is where the things start getting good for me. And suddenly she's Anya Taylor-Joy. She's become Anya. That's what we all should do. Become Anya. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to say Anya where I'm talking about someone else. Cause I, when I was a little girl, I thought I was the only Anya in the world. I was very stupid. <laughs> But this girl, she spells her name differently than I do, but we still respect it. So she's this blonde bombshell who saunters into the hottest club in London. and uh, Much like an Anya. Much like an Anya. Although I will say when I wear a big puffy pink dress and pile my hair into a beehive and start swinging my arms around, swinging 60s style, people just, they, they look down, they blush, they, they wince, they look uncomfortable. People quietly ask me to leave. Nobody's impressed. So I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> I'm ahead of my time or behind my time, I guess. <laughs> Kevin sometimes just leaves at that point in the party. Oh, I mean, can you blame me? Hides out in the parking lot with his head on the steering wheel. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> She's dancing now, folks. That's She's... like my signature move. Like two hands, two arms, like hyper extended, swinging him up and down. <laughs> yes, you often do that and exclaim, "It's an Ani party." Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how you gotta you gotta take life by the balls like that sometimes. Get what you want, and that's what Anya Taylor Joy does. Uh, she. She turns a bunch of heads, impresses people, and then tells Matt Smith, who's... The well, I think we need to be clear. Uh, what's the relationship between uh, this blonde bombshell and our art student? The art student is, like, seeing London partially through her eyes, and other other points, like, she's in the audience watching her. It's like in, in a dream where sometimes you are the different person, and sometimes you're watching the different person. And this all takes place decades earlier. Yes. She's almost like going back in time in her dreams. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. 
And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And she, th- this... this- Anya Taylor-Joy is everything she's not. She's turning all the men's heads. She's in control, seemingly. She's, uh, you know, striving to make her artistic dreams happen, which is to be the next Celia Black, the next big singer. Of course, Celia Black being uh, the uh, talent from Liverpool who uh, got big. She was a a coat check girl at the Cavern Club where the Beatles performed. She knew the Beatles. She was friends with him. They thought... Uh, they they thought she was talented, so they uh, <laughs> arranged for her to audition with Brian Epstein, their manager, and she bombed because she was really nervous and because they didn't play in the right key and uh, to to suit her voice. And then so they fucked that up. But then he saw her singing at a different club, and so he booked her, and then she became a big hit in this era. So, so you weren't kidding when you said you were so into the Beatles. You even did fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> I used I I feel like I'm losing all my Beatles facts, but that one I remembered. She was yeah, she's like a big uh, big star in the '60s, and so you know people were coming out of these clubs and you know being being all cool and fancy, and uh, you know that's what that's what Anya Taylor Joy wants. She's gonna get it or, or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my my dream my dream why I'm here on this earth is to wear a big puffy pink dress and swing my arms around and have everyone be like, that's the best dance I've ever seen. But that has yet to happen. I, I've said that to you. You just you have to. You're married to me. I said it to you even before we were married. I think that's why you married me. <laughs> that is why. I need some validation. <laughs> She's doing it again. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> Everybody out there is blessing their lucky stars. This isn't a video podcast. Downtown. <laughs> yeah, y'all are lucky. Uh, <laughs> um, so so basically we kind of go through a couple of, of loops of this where uh, our art student is uh, dreaming her way into Anya Taylor-Joy's past life. And in the parts of the film when she's not uh, having visions of that life, she is trying to remake herself into being more like that person. Like she dyes her hair. She dyes her hair blonde, gets a haircut, starts purchasing 60s fashions to look more like Anya Taylor-Joy. She starts uh, sort of seemingly having a little bit more confidence. Uh, she starts um, with her big fashion project. She has to design, a, a you know, a kind of, a, I guess, a runway. And uh, she starts basically drawing this luminous pink dress that she saw Anya Taylor-Joy in. Um, and so she's, but she's so lost in this dream world Mm -hmm. that she's not connecting to people around her. Like there's a young gentleman who asks her out and she says, no, I got to get home because I got to go to sleep and dream. (laughs) 
Wow. You said, a, you said that the first time I met you. What a rejection. <laughs> Sorry, I have more fun going to sleep than talking to you, sir. <laughs> you know, but, but soon enough, cracks start appearing in the facade of these, these dreams. Something's not quite right. This glitzy world she's dreamed ain't all it's cracked up to be. Because you soon start to realize that Matt Smith, who is this manager fixer that Anya Taylor-Joy has fallen in with, is not really a music manager. He's like a... He's a pimp. He's an underworld guy. He's a pimp, and he's pimping her out. And uh, and that's shitty and bad. And it's really, you know, that's upsetting. So it's kind of a heavy... Kind of gets into this heavy topic. Heavy. I can dig it. You can dig it? It's heavy. Is it too far out for you? I mean, no, it's not far. Far out's good. I'm sorry. You know, like I'm a, it's not like I'm a square. Don't give me any of that jive, dude. <laughs> Kevin, I got news for you if you think you're not a square. But, uh, yeah, so he's not a cool hepcat. He's an asshole and a bad person and, and abusive towards her as well. So she gets put into, you know, doing all these exotic dances and pimping out and doing, you know, just all this awful stuff. And at some point, the art student starts imagining that she was murdered at some point during all this. Well, can we describe a little bit what's going on? While she sees this murder. What is she doing at the time? Oh, that's so awkward. That scene just made me so uncomfortable. So then go into it in some depth. Okay, so so the art student, Ellie, has made a friend named uh, John, right? Uh, he is uh, he's, he's played by Michael Ajeo. I hope I'm saying that name right. But he's like a nice, nerdy guy. He's always kind of, you know, he, he's kind of, been respectful of her, seemed interested in her because, you know, she's she's kind of quiet, she's kind of interesting, she, whatever. So they have a nice time one night. She gets kind of freaked out because she starts seeing all of these uh, phantoms in the form of the Johns that Anya Taylor-Joy was with. And she's scared, so she runs out of wherever they're dancing. He comes after her, he tries to comfort her. She wants to be comforted by him, so they start making out. She brings him home. Now, the thing is, her um, her landlady, Diana Rigg, has told her no gentleman after 8 p.m. But she breaks the rules. She brings him up. They're making out. They're having a good time. They're going to have sex. And then she looks up on the ceiling and sees Matt Smith murdering Anya Taylor-Joy in the bed. And she starts screaming and freaking out. And running away and trying to get away from John, who's like freaked out and is like, I'm sorry, did I do anything wrong? And is trying to, you know, get away from her. And then Diana Riggs trying to beat down the door. Diana Riggs is the landlady. Is the landlady. I already said that. And 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 then uh, it, it, and John just runs out of there. And it's like, I just, I just felt like, I just felt so viscerally uncomfortable in that scene. I'd, John, is, he's played by an, a, a, a black actor. And it just felt like it had some weird... I, I don't know. I just got weirded out by it. I was like... Because, like, I mean... It's almost... She's, like, screaming and freaking out. It's like... I don't know. Like, it was like... If anyone came in on that, they'd be like, Oh, did he rape her? Like, what the fuck happened? And it's just... I, I, I don't know. At that point... At that point... Once we start seeing all these Johns coming out... Like, the zombie Johns... 
And once yeah, we, she starts seeing basically them everywhere. the ghosts of people who've had sex with Anya. <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting to bust that one out, haven't you? <laughs> what a horror show that is. You're gonna <laughs> So everywhere she looks, she sees the these zombies who have gotten intimate with Anya. See now I'm angrily dancing with my fists. <laughs> you can't see it, folks, but my fists are bald and I'm swinging them around sixties style. Just these long lines of of men who have uh done the deed with Anya. Yeah, it wouldn't be a worry if it was Women who had sex with Kevin because <laughs> they were—they're all very ladylike. <laughs> they're, they're very nice, very refined ladies. Wouldn't be too many to worry about. You <laughs> just hop, you could just outpace them. Just get out of there. Not a large group. You don't gotta worry. You're not gonna get ganged up on. Just bring a couple of your friends around. You'll be fine. And of course, with the zombies who had sex with Anya, most of them are in walkers. Uh, I have a thing for schlubby men. <laughs> no, uh, the, the, so, okay, so this is where the movie started going off the rails for me. Once we, once it turns into this really dumb horror picture with all of these middle-aged gentlemen with spooky faces, ooh, following around the student library and the bars in London. She even goes to the police and says, police, I, I had a vision of a woman getting killed 60 years ago. You've got to do something. All I was thinking during this scene was, please don't encourage the fucking psychics. Like, they, these people are so starved for attention. They'll, like, call up the victims of the families of murder victims and shit and missing people, you know, and, and you know, get their narcissistic supply from them. And it's like, don't encourage them. I felt like I felt like somebody who was a little bit more I mean I felt like I feel like the character I liked the character in the beginning some of her actions later on seemed to really go off the rails in a way that didn't seem believable and maybe if she were I felt like a more realistic move would be to either a check yourself into some psychiatric hold or b you know the health system's different in England so I don't know exactly what what that would entail but and then or or b just kind of like lock yourself in the room and kind of like, duh, 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 you know, for a while and until something passes. I don't think any like sane or even semi-sane person would be able to be like, okay, I'll bring this to the police. Definitely a police matter. Maybe, maybe you might start doing research on your own and then bring that to the police. Like, did you guys ever look into this murder? I don't know. I've been researching it. I'm not having visions or anything. Like, that would be the way to play it. You don't need to make... Like, you know the police are not going to take that seriously if you just say, oh, yeah, I had a bad dream about a murder. Like, that just seems stupid. <laughs> and again, encouraging all the, the lunatics out there. Lunatic fringe. Yeah, the lunatic fringe is getting all... getting some, They're taking notes here. But, uh, you know, obviously they don't take her seriously. And she tells them, in fact, I even know who did it. It was Matt Smith. And when Matt Smith grew up... They're like, Doctor Who? <laughs> when Matt Smith grew up, he became General Zod. Because General Zod is hanging around the bar, and he's a little bit creepy. I think he's Matt Smith as a grown-up. You better go arrest him. You know, Kevin, just because the general's a little bit w weird, you don't have to call him General Zod. <laughs> what? Like, odd. 
Never mind. We'll cut that what? part out. <laughs> no, we'll we'll leave that in. Like People like, need to know what I have like, to put up with. General's odd. <laughs> so the joke is it rhymes. No, it's like he's. He, it's like you sound like you're saying generals odd, like the generals odd. He's General Zod. That's the man's name. What kind of name is Zod? It's a Kryptonian name. <laughs> now let's see. Okay, what else happened in this movie? Uh, what? So, so this is one part that felt a little bit like us because she then. Oh yeah, I like this part I, until it got stupid. <laughs> okay, what was I gonna say? Tell me. No, you tell me. No, you tell me. Tell me. When she goes to the library and starts looking up uh, microfilm of old newspapers to look at old articles about murders. Yeah. That's how we met. That's literally how we met. And also, like, that's a fun activity, in fairness. She's all, like, stressed out. Oh, i got to go get do this. Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And it's like, that's what we do, like, every fucking weekend. That's what we do after work. <laughs> what we do during working hours. Oh, yeah. No. I'm always on the clock for Insider. No, it's it's... Uh, it's it's one of those, yeah. So that would. Felt really one thing cool. that's, that's interesting about that is it kind of felt like the the person who who either came up with the idea for that scene has her in a library, looking through old reels of microfilm, and that's really not how it's done anymore because most microfilm has been digitized. You can just sit at your computer, and instead of just going through it page by page, you can search for a word like murder, or General Zod. And you see every appearance uh, within a certain time frame. In fairness, we don't know what the resources are for that in the UK, where this is based. I know people have done a lot of great research on Jack the Ripper. That's fair, but I mean, in fair, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass on this because, like, seeing someone like fuck around on their computer is a little bit less interesting than seeing someone go through microfilm. That's a little bit more visually interesting. So I, I give them a pass on this. Well, it would have been more visually interesting if when she made a phone call, she had to talk to a telephone girl. But we didn't do that because that's not the way it's done anymore. It's the Wait, 21st century. I had to look up microfilm stuff in college. That was in like, what, 2015? Yeah. This is the 2020s. Oh, my God. I, I don't think microfilm has fallen out so hard, as you say. And maybe she was just thinking that's going to be the good stuff. You know, I mean, that's what I going into the last time i went to a library and looked at microfish the librarian literally said no one looks at this stuff anymore and then she spat on you and kicked you out in the mud <laughs> that librarian's name was anya <laughs> kicked you in the balls too for good measure <laughs> what a life i lead <laughs> oh man um and okay so i was enjoying the microfish stuff but that microfilm or michael fish i forget either one's fine i don't, I don't even i think know. there's a difference i think there's a there key difference definitely a key difference uh so then of course the the undead i'm sorry i shouldn't say the the johns the zombie johns well first the real john comes oh the real john comes the nice john and he's like he's a cool dude he's just kind of like you're obviously having some sort of like bipolar thing but i'm just going to be chill and just try to help you through it or, you know, but not bipolar. I don't even know it was schizophrenia or something that calls hallucinations to this degree. But he's he's worried about her. He's trying to help her. But then before he can really help her, the zombie Johns come out and they're all menacing and lurching towards her. So she runs 
and she almost stabs her ex-roommate in the face with scissors. And then she runs. But we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, isn't that how you and your ex-roommate uh, kind of, <laughs> how things went down there at the end? I've heard those stories about William and Mary. Me and my roommate got along fabulously. She's still one of my good friends. I'm talking about your original roommate. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the scissor incident. <sighs> she's, you know, she's just unraveling, basically. You know, her, her, she's gone from really embracing the 60s lifestyle to just wanting to, wanting it to get the hell out of her head. Um, but she goes and she's been working part-time in an Irish bar as a bartender, which is like, yeah, definitely start mixing this with alcohol. That's, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to go well. Um, and she confronts this older gentleman, General Zod, uh, who, who's been making who's been kind of following her around and making all these strange cryptic statements towards her and she thinks he's old Matt Smith old Matt Smith. and she they have this whole exchange and she's trying to record him confessing to the murder of Sandy aka Anya Taylor Joy and he kind of storms out and then it's like fucking mean girls where Regina George just gets hit by a bus and that's what happens to this guy except General Zod goes down hard and I think he died yeah General Zod walks outside to get away from our crazy lead and he's hit by a car and killed that's great plotting and that's okay and like and like there's no repercussions for that at all I mean she didn't push him but he is actively trying to get away from her when he's hit by the car so there's culpability there and and also, nobody seems to be terribly upset. He dies. We don't know even what happens. They don't even tell us what happens. Well, I think he's dead. But, like, uh, her boss at the bar says, oh, yes, it's terrible that this happened to him. By the way, here comes some exposition about him. You know, his name's not Jack. His name's not old Matt Smith. His name's actually Lindsay because he's a police officer. And she says, whoops, I was wrong. Well, what are you going to do? It was like... It was awkward. That's not a... Also, it's just like... That's not... Like, it's like... It's like when... It's like when your dog brings you some, like... Like, soggy... Or, like, you know, when a cat brings you, like, a dead mouse or something. It's like, I understand why you did this, but... This isn't what I want, and this isn't really even what I eat, and this is... You're completely missing the point. Because you're so up your own ass. Yeah. I did my best. I thought you wanted that mouse. Oh, that time you turned into a big tomcat. <laughs> Went prowling around. You're always shitting on the dinners I make you. <laughs> Stop being so passive aggressive. You can't see him, but Kevin's actually a large cat. <laughs> he spends his days looking out the window at squirrels. Dreamily. <laughs> With his tail twitching. Oh, man. No, it, it's like, you know, like... Twists I've come to find, having endured the ending of Game of Thrones, are just, like, overrated. If you can pull off a really good twist, great. If not, you're basically, you know, it's like, oh, look what I can do on my bike, and it's like, fall on your face. You know, <laughs> essentially. Like, and that it felt like a lot of the twists in this came from along those lines, unfortunately. Where it's like, maybe this would have been cool if you pulled it off, but you didn't, so... You just look stupid. So no. Um, 
what even happens next? <laughs> well, so then there's uh, like I think the ambulance comes to take away his body or whatever. So there's a sound of sirens, at which point uh, her friend John comes running by because he thinks it's somebody that the police have got got uh, Eloise, and she says, "No, I haven't been gotten. I'm right here." And he says, "Oh, that's good." And then he's like, "I'll drive <laughs> you back to your home in Cornwall." Where you belong. And uh, then... She says, first... Mm-hmm. I need to get a bunch of shit I don't need. So she decides she wants to go back mm-hmm. and get some stuff she really doesn't need from her apartment. Sounds like something I would do in fairness. Yeah, it does. Well, running around the library and causing a ruckus is definitely something you would do. I'm always a gentleman. So there... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she, I don't even know what she's getting at that point. Uh, but at this point, she walks in the door and immediately, oh, I know what's happening. Because, you know what, suddenly the landlady starts being really nice to her. Whereas before she was more, you know, kind of a cantankerous old broad. It was like, okay, whatever. But now suddenly she's like, oh, come in, have some tea. And I'm like, okay, so she's the bad guy. And the tea's poisoned. <laughs> Obviously. Anytime people are drinking tea in a movie nowadays, it's like just don't. You like, and 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 like so, someone's being nice and offering you tea, just throw it on the floor, smash it, say fuck you, and walk out. That's the etiquette nowadays. See, hey. I pity the fool because you're a Mister T. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. They call me Finn because I'm iced tea. Oh, no. I'll go on and on. It's horrible. All the teas. It's, it, so, okay, turns out that the landlady is Sandy. She's Anya. She's Anya. And this is ironic because when I was, uh, when I was in college, we figured out who everyone would be on Game of Thrones, like personality-wise, on my campus newspaper, and I'm pretty sure I got Olena Tyrell, uh, the Queen of Thorns, who is the landlady in this. So it kind of came back full circle on me. So she's Anya. So naturally, she's a deranged killer. Yes. And and so she's killed all those men. So yeah. So Sam- every man she had sex with, she killed. Uh, Kevin's sweating and pulling his <laughs> collar right now. So Sandy is is not dead. For some reason her so for some reason this art student's vision told her a lie there. And then it and then the landlady's like, That's cause I my younger self died, my hopes and dreams died, and it's like, okay. And she's actually a serial killer. She killed Matt Smith because he was abusing her and sexually abusing her and pimping her out. And then she killed all her Johns. Alright. And and like the art student, sort of like, yeah, I get why you did that. You were being sexually abused, like. And, and she stuffed all their bodies. In oh the yeah, house. in the house because yeah, that's a John Wayne Gacy style. Yeah, that won't create any odors or anything suspicious. No, not at all. Why would? Why would? You, why would you need to worry about that? Also, did she own the building back then? I mean, the, okay, this is this is where I was kind of like, all right, all right, movie. Um. She's this victim of basically, like, sex trafficking that her, like, boyfriend pushed her into. And, oh, she's the bad guy, you know? 
men are out here just killing women. I'm going to get a little serious right now. Men are just out here killing women, raping women, doing all this stuff. But like, oh, it must be the woman who's the serial killer in the movie. That's the kind of like snapped shit that just pisses me off. Not to say that there can't be women serial killers. There certainly are. Certainly are. And even serial killers who sort of, you you know, have, have been sex workers as well. And that's kind of been... The, the point of violence. So I'm not saying, oh, it's unrealistic. I guess it just pisses me off at this point. It turns out all of the, the ghosts of the men she killed are just friendly chaps. Just happy They're all go- like, help us, help, help us. Help us, kill her. They're just happy-go-lucky Joes. They were out to have a good time. And Anya spoiled it all for them. That's what I do. And I, I just, there's something that really sat wrong with me about that twist. I don't know. It made me. It made me mad. I thought you were already off the movie train after the murder, so now you're like even out of the station at this point. Now I just yeah I don't. don't, You left the train station. I don't want to go on the train ever again. (laughs) Had a bad experience on an Amtrak, and I want to get the fuck out of there. Like, I yeah I was I was I was pissed off. That just made me feel like dirty for having watched it. I don't know. There's something. there's something about, there's something kind of, um, how do I put this? Like, dishonest or nefarious about showing us this this woman who gets her brightness and her talent and her energy and her, you know, beauty, like, sapped away by all these predatory men. And then it's suddenly, oh, but it's, but she got her revenge. It's like, this isn't, like, some over-the-top revenge movie. This isn't some... This didn't just didn't seem like the vehicle for that, I guess. I just didn't, you know, it's like, it's all about, like, what you can pull off, right? You can say you're going to land all these cool bike tricks, and if you can't do it, then you're just some kid lying on the pavement crying. And that's what it felt like this movie was over and over again. The kid who kept saying, I'm going to do this now. Ah, I'm going to do this now. Oh, no. Call the police. Like, I mean, and I I just, I just got, but th- with this thing, I was like, you definitely can't pull off this. And they didn't, and I just, I don't know, I just found it disgusting. What did you think about it? Uh, if you were out of the train station at this point, I was uh, on a plane in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> I was already so far checked out of this movie. I agree with what you're saying. It, it, the twist doesn't work. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that it's wrong. It felt morally wrong. Yes. It was a bad twist that, yes, women are the victims, not men. And I'm not saying you can't have... Listen, Some sometimes people write excellent female characters. I'm not saying that there can't be some violent woman who is victimized and then takes out her violence, victimizes others. Or that there can't be some evil woman villain... Or that there, there, you know, that there can't be nuance and interest with 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 female villains. I'm, or you know, like like some a victim who turns into a villain. That's all fine. I am certainly not saying that should never be done. I think that could be really interesting. I love, uh, I love uh, what's her name, Gillian Flynn. She always writes kind of twisty women who have all these things going on, and they're kind of they they can be bad, they can be good, they can be somewhere in between. I love that shit. It just felt like this movie did not. It, it was just going for a twist. It, it, there was no thought behind it. It was just like, what would be the twist? Oh, the twist is she's not dead. She's actually a murderer. And I, I just, I was like, no, I'm just, I, no. This is, this is, this is, this feels offensive. I just, yeah. I, I didn't like it. And 
if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that, back it up. Have the have the storytelling chops to back it up. They couldn't. You know, it was all it was all just this big bluff, and then it fell apart. Turned to shit in your hands. <laughs> wow, you always use the nicest metaphors. That's why that's why we have them around, right, folks? <laughs> so Eloise is very understanding. And she says, don't worry, landlady Diana Rigg. I won't tell anybody about any of this. And, she's, and Diana Rigg says, I know you won't because that tea I drank, it's poison. See? And you're going to die. See? And there's nothing you can do about it. This poison is irreversible. You're going to die. That's it. Just lay down and die. And so she lays down. And then there's a knock on the door. And it's her friend, John. And, she, and the landlady says, well, I'm going to go kill your friend, John. And so at this point, uh, Eloise struggles and stands up and she goes and tries to warn John. John is then stabbed in the stomach or the side. He falls down. Uh, Diana Rigg runs upstairs. Eloise runs after her and there's and the two of them end up in the, the in Eloise's room. There's a fire. Can we can we can I do you remember the scene where they're going up the stairs? Vaguely. Okay, so that was perhaps one of the dumbest things I've seen in a movie for adults in a long time where suddenly everything has this like weird filter yeah. where it's like you know making everyone look weird and angular and there's all this like fake fire in the background of the shots and suddenly the landlady's turning back into Anya Taylor-Joy, her younger self, you know, in, 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 in the art student's view. And, and, and the whole shot looks cheap. It looks stupid. The thing that I'd really enjoyed about this movie previously and, and in, in certain other parts is that it sort of had a kind of a fun sense of style, I thought, and there was some really enjoyable moments and shots and kind of creative things. But this was not it. This was just, I was just like, oh, this be over already. And they're up in the room. There's a fire. And Diana works says, well, I'm just going to die in the fire. And Eloise says, no, nah, let, let's, let's, let's save you. Let's get out of here. We're both, we're both come out. Everything will be fine. She says, no, nah, I just want to die in the fire. And so she pleads with, Eloise pleads with Diana Rigg to live until Diana Rigg says, you know, why don't you go save your friend? And Eloise, oh, I forgot about oh, that. Oh, jeez, I think I left the stove on. Golly gee. And so then she runs down and uh, gets her friend, and they leave. And remember, Eloise has been poisoned at this point. But she seems to be fine. I think she put, like, sleeping pills or, like, you know, some some something she could have gotten over the counter, I assume. She didn't poison any of her other victims. She's not a poisoner. So what else would she put in? Well, she said, I'm not going to stab you. It's just this poison is going to kill you. Yeah. I kind of figured she was, I, I guess I didn't even know it was poison. I, I almost figured she drugged her and then was going to smother her in her sleep or something. Not that I have any experience with anything like that. Anya? <laughs> this movie taught me an awful lot about you and about what's in store for me in the future. She's over there uh, dancing. <laughs> dancing to my seat. I'm doing the Batusi. 
<laughs> you put the mic down at your feet as you do your wild tap dancing. <laughs> um, and so then, and then, and everything's worked out for the art student. And then we cut to some uh, undetermined point in the future. There's a fashion show showing off Eloise's fashions. Uh, her friend John is there clapping, and her grandmother's there clapping. Then Eloise goes backstage, and she sees the ghost of her mother in the mirror. And her mother's smiling at her. And then her grandmother says, your mother would be proud of you. And she says, I know. And then she turns in the mirror. She sees Anya. And she gives Anya a fist bump. Credits roll. Yeah. And then Last Night in Soho plays. I guess that was also a song. Um, and I said, let's get the hell out of here. And you said, no, Kevin, I want to see all the credits. I'm going to get my money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> they showed all these pictures of Soho. And I was like, all right. So... Before we wrap this up, before we put this to bed uh, and fall into our 1960s dreams, first, what what era would you want to, if you could go back to any time, any place in your dreams, where would you go and romp around and then get traumatized and burn down a house? Depression era Chicago. That's, I knew you were going to say that. Would there be like, who, okay, who would be, who would be your alter ego in the mirror? You'd be looking in the mirror. Oh, look who's this fine gentleman. So it'd be like my fantasy figure, and gradually there'd be cracks that would appear. Yeah. And I realized my fantasy figure is made it has feet of clay. Yeah. Elliot Ness. Oh! Is this the right one? Do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't like that. I wonder if we should have a rule where we don't do sound effects. I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I let everyone down. <laughs> um, I apologize. Okay, now, now, what period would you go back into and what would be your historical analog? Oh, okay. Let me think. Let me think for a second. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you my movie answer and then my real answer. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Um, And you're, yeah, I mean, well. Hmm. Not Pocahontas, is it? No, it's not Pocahontas. Fuck you. Her name was Matoka. Pocahontas was the nickname that her family gave her. So I would, I would, I mean, maybe sort of like, I'm going to say like, I don't think she really had Fleet of Clay, but I'm going to say, like, it might be fun. <laughs> Nellie Bly, New York City. The insane asylum. And, okay. and uh, she goes around the world, so I guess she could be in a bunch of different cities. But then my real answer. Uh-oh. Countess Constance Markowitz, Dublin, 1916. <laughs> 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 She's cool. <laughs> Of course, that's not a swinging place. No. But it's cool. But I always wanted to see it. You know, what was going on? I was fascinated with Easter rising in uh, in high school. So, But also, I'd be tempted to just do Jamestown. I, I couldn't pick one. That would be the problem. I'd be, like, switching. I'd be suddenly in Dublin. Then I'd be suddenly in Jamestown. Then I'd be suddenly in, like, ancient Rome or something. So, I mean, like, it would just be a fucking clusterfuck. 
I'd be going between all these all these different actors would be popping up to to be my other person, and and uh, everyone would get confused and everyone would walk out of the movie. <laughs> oh, I'd never walk out of your movie, baby. Aww. I'm in it for keeps. <laughs> do you regret not walking out of this movie? Do you, do you regret going to the movie? No, I don't regret going to it. I mean, I like listen. It's <laughs> it is a pretty fucking low bar, but it's nice to see something that's not like a sequel or like you know, like you know, Ghostbusters Generations or some shit. You know, like like oh, it's a totally totally new thing. Yay, low bar, but would you go see Tomorrow Night at Soho? No, the science fiction epic. Oh God, <laughs> Yesterday at Soho. <laughs> Next Tuesday in Soho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I there were moments I I felt like I felt like in the parts where she initially was going back in time in her dreams, I was very sucked into that, and I enjoyed that. I I liked that. Those were the parts that I liked because it was like the mystery was still there. We didn't know. Oh, it's a dumb serial killer thing. We we just thought. Oh, this kind of. Spooky and mysterious. What's going to happen next? You really couldn't guess where this movie was going. So I enjoyed that. Until I didn't. What did you enjoy about this film? Yeah, some, I, I liked the early time travel sequences. I thought the beginning was a bit slow. Uh, it picked up a little bit and then went completely off the rails. If you could script Doctor This... Uh, maybe you don't have to, there'd be a lot of work to do. There'd be a lot of work. A lot do. of work to do. But what, you know, go starting with the seeds of what you liked, what direction would you want it to go in, generally? I don't think we need the slasher film elements. I don't think we need the bloody murder. I don't think we need all the ghosts and the zombies. We don't need the ghosts and zombies coming out in real life. You can make things scary without it being like literal ghosts and zombies. And why why not why not have the, you know, why not have the mechanism of like she's never really asleep, right? Because then you don't need the ghosts and zombies chasing her in real life. You can just have it be like she can't stay awake at any point so she's flipping between worlds in a way that's confusing and you know, maybe they diagnose her with a sleep disorder or something. And if she has a lot of, if she's afraid to go to sleep because she doesn't want to return to that world, then she'll be having sleep deprivation and that causes hallucinations. So that could be scary. Exactly. And I, I really didn't like making uh, Sandy, a.k.a. Anya, the bad guy. Not just because I'm an Anya as well and we salute the other Anyas, but that just felt dumb and unearned. And I think they could have made... Anya Taylor-Joy, a malevolent force in the dreams, but, like, keep her in the dreams. We don't, like, I just, you know, and 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 maybe she has to interact with her in the dreams or stand, you know, stand her ground in the dreams or something, and or, or you know, watch or listen to Anya Taylor-Joy perform in the dreams. Like, that's what Anya Taylor-Joy really wanted, and, and she, you know, she gives that to her, and that's then... She's allowed to like leave in peace or something. Like you don't need it to be like this big. Like oh, and I'm a serial, I'm a serial killer. Ha ha. Do you think the film has anything to say about the possibly corrosive effects of unchecked nostalgia? Yeah, I actually thought that was pretty clever in that regard. It was like she was getting all immersed into ooh, swinging sixties. It's so cool. It's so fashionable. So hip. Oh, they had so much fun. And then it's like yeah, but women were being sexually exploited. 
you know, all the all this like groovy times came at an ex- at an expense because women's dreams and and people's dreams, you know, but in this case, a young woman's dreams was basically exploited in order to get her to perform sex work, and that's really horrible. So I, I actually thought, you know, like for as annoying as I found some parts of it, I thought it was pretty on the money with that. I liked that, you know, because the thing about it's easy to it's easy to um like worship the past when you're a teenager when you don't really like have the the you know knowledge and the and the you're, you're sheltered from the world so you're kind of like not aware of how bad things could be and you know you grow out of that and even if you kind of are still like oh well I still like the 60s you know fashion sensibility you're not sitting there being like I wish I could go back in time because you realize no you don't no you do not you know the past is a different country and um you know, I so I, I thought I thought it was smart about that, and I, I liked you know it seemed to have something to say at least at first about you know how corrosive you know sexual harassment is on your self esteem and your sense of safety, and at first I felt that was yeah good. that that was something I, I liked too. There was uh, when she first gets to London, she meets uh, a taxi driver who kind of sexually harasses her and makes her feel very uncomfortable. I thought that was done very well. I thought so too, and I, I I felt like they did a good job of, it. You know, at first she kind of is hostile towards John, her later boyfriend, because she, you know, she doesn't know if she can trust him or not, and he's kind of like, hey, do you need help with your bags? And it's like, if I say yes, he might turn out to be a creep. If I say no, I'm going to struggle with my bags, but at least I don't bring a creep home to my door. So like, you know, I I thought like it it it, it, it like that kind of shit, you know, hurts her ability to then like connect with other men because she doesn't you know if she can trust them. So I felt like. For a while there, it was kind of doing pretty well on some of that commentary, you know, in in in, in a in a way. So I, I actually liked that at first, and then then having Anya Taylor Joy turn out to be like the ultimate predator who's successfully murdered all these men, and and oh, they're you know they're saying help me, please, you know, like ugh. It 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 sacrificed a lot in pursuit of a twist, yes, and a big climax. I think it should have been a much quieter movie you know, tame down some of those kind of action-y, big horror climax desires and translate them into something quieter but more powerful. Or sedate. Not sedate, but just, you don't, not everything needs to be a big face-off with the villain. You're the killer? Huh? Oh no, the house is on fire. You know, it can just be... I had a professor in college talk creative writing. She was awesome. But I remember when we were writing short stories, she was like, none of you better have houses on fire at the end of your stories. <laughs> and that stuck with me. If you have to have drama by setting the house on fire, you know, you know, maybe, maybe rethink that. Maybe, maybe the house does need to be on fire, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just trying to reach for drama. You know, the real drama should come from within. <laughs> It was inside you the whole time, Edgar, right? <laughs> I think we're done. Wrap it up. Bring it home. I'd say that when you're alone and life is making you lonely, you don't have to go to Soho. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter 
at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.